0: Voices of Hope is a podcast from New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on-site and online at 9.30 a.m., and you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan starts us on a new series called What If Jesus Was Serious? The sermon is titled What If Jesus Was Serious About the Heart? It comes from Matthew 6, 22 through 34 and scripture reading is done by Bill Brunger.
1: Please listen for God's voice while I read this morning's scripture lesson. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat?
0: we start a new series today what if jesus was serious and we take this from uh sky Jatani's book what if jesus was serious it's a nice little book that has like bite-sized teachings of jesus and explaining it applying it to our everyday life he also wrote uh if jesus was serious about prayer what if jesus was serious about the church and uh, just this week announced in the fall, there'll be a new one called What If Jesus Was Serious About Heaven? And it's, it's a wonderful little book, if you get your hands on it at the welcome desk afterwards, uh, that can really open our eyes to the teachings of Jesus in a different way. And so we're gonna be trying to do that with our sermons through Lent until Easter, talk about what if Jesus was serious. Today, what we're gonna talk about is what if Jesus was serious about the heart? And you heard the scripture uh, read by Bill a little bit earlier uh, about Jesus talk about where does our treasure lie. Uh, a lot of different cryptic words, illustrations that maybe don't ring so true for us today. But for, for Jesus' uh, group of people, his audience at the time knew exactly what he was talking about. So I, wanna, I wanted to do this series because I do think sometimes I've, I've kind of discovered this interesting thing about Christians, about us Christians, the, the, big, the big tent Christianity all across the different traditions and everything, that most oftentimes we actually don't like Jesus. <laughs> we like the idea of Jesus, but once Jesus' teachings start coming into play and Jesus' teachings challenge us, then we don't like it. Then we label it by something else because we want it to be something else and not of Jesus, not of the Spirit. And so we try to ignore it. There's been times I've had conversations uh, with people and I bring up what Jesus did, and then it's just kind of like, well, don't bring up Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's kind of hard, isn't it? It's, it's not easy uh, to be faced with that all the time. So we like to put Jesus off into a corner into what we have made Jesus to be until Jesus challenges our assumptions and our views. And we don't like it when Jesus challenges our idols. Now when we talk about idols, we're talking about the thing that has our hearts, the thing that is the ultimate concern for us in our lives and a lot of us have maybe different ones it could be your job it could be your kids it could be uh, you can name anything it could be money all those things because in our scripture today I said that Jesus said no one can serve two masters where your treasure is your heart will be also Uh, James K.A. Smith also said that most oftentimes we like to think we are primarily thinkers as humans, that we're primarily thinkers, but he said actually we're lovers. We're lovers in the sense that our heart goes towards the things that we love, not the things that we think are good, but whatever has our hearts is the thing that pulls us. Whatever has our hearts determines how we view the world. And so, number one there's all kinds of stuff that can have our hearts right that could be of ultimate concern (laughs) it's become a challenge now a little bit to try and place it somewhere in the sermon but there certainly are things that can hold our hearts, and it will determine how we view the rest of our lives, how we treat others, how we live in this world, who we advocate for, who we care for. So what's your ultimate concern? What's, what's the thing, and it may not even be on that wheel, it could be something else, what is that thing that takes up, that occupies a lot of your imagination, that occupies your daydreaming and motivates your actions each and every day? Your ultimate concern will define your identity. It will give you purpose and it will give you a sense of hope from it. That's where you will place your hope. So, how do we figure out what has our hearts? And I think this, this scripture, what Jesus has talked about at the beginning about the lamp into the body, the eyes, and all that, uh, here's something that we kind of miss from that in our modern context. This is this quote. I don't necessarily agree with, but this is how we view in our modern world, especially in Christian culture, how this works with our eyes and hearts. It says the human heart bends towards what the eyes see. Today's image makers fling uh, fling into the world, digital spectacles of sex, wealth, power, and popularity. Those images get inside us, shape us, and form our lives in ways that compete with God's design for our focus and worship. So this view is primarily worried about this modern view that what we see, what comes through our eyes which we do know biologically, the light passes through the eyes, right? So then it processes in your brain. It comes through your eyes and then it affects your heart. What you see determines your heart. So then the goal, if that's the case, the goal is to transform your circumstances. I don't want to see that Super Bowl halftime show. I don't want to see these things on TV. I'm going to shut down all of that. I can't even watch anything anymore. Because you're worried that that thing you're seeing is going to um, harden your heart, make your, dark, your heart dark. It's going to affect it. It's going to change you by just seeing it. And I think this is broadly Christianity. I grew up in a very um, uh, purity type culture. You can't Interact with people who are living in sin because it may rub off on you. You cannot watch something that may depict sex or something like that because then you may think that's acceptable. The things around us would taint our heart. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what it is saying here. Now, if we think about this in our own lives, we could see it in a lot of places, we could see that we just, if we just changed our circumstances, if we just change this or that, then people are going to change. If I think about progressives or liberals, the number one thing is like, if only people were educated more, then things would change and people would change. If you think of maybe more conservatives, it's like the thought is, if people just stuck with traditional values, Maybe things would be different, and people's hearts would be changed. I think about often in Castle Rock that um, I know the Rock is having some kind of proposal of a small, uh, small home site on their property, and there's a lot of concerns about that. There's been concerns when the Uh, The rail wants to make its way down to Castle Rock because the thought that always comes up is, well, now the riffraff is going to be here. Now the people who are experiencing homelessness will be here. So what that says is that our circumstances, as long as we keep this clean of anything that is something we don't like, it's a perfect community. So what we see as a threat to us tends to tell on our hearts. It tends to tell on us and what we believe and what we find to be the ultimate concern for us. It shows what frightens us and the state of our heart. Now, the number one thing that ends up changing people and transforming their hearts tends to be experience and relationships with others. So Jesus, when he was talking in this passage, This is another quote to get us started. This is, The heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. This is who you are. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of conscience and decisive spiritual activity. And it goes on longer, and it says, The comprehensive term for a person as a whole, their feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding, and will, And the center of the person, the place to which God turns, is the heart. What has our heart shapes how we see the world. So Jesus knew his audience actually believed this, that the heart was the thing that determined how you saw the world. That they believed that the light actually came from within and out through your eyes. And the goal then... When your heart is affecting what you see in the world, the goal is to transform your heart. That's about you, and you need to change some stuff in order to see the world differently. I want to do a couple of activities with this with you all. All right? So this one's just a warm-up, okay? So what does this say? A bird in the bush. Okay. Check again. A bird in the, the bush, all right? Kind of plays tricks with our eyes, right? Okay? That's just an easy one to warm us up, okay? Now this one, what do you see in this image, this word? Good? Evil. All right. Now we know what your hearts are like. Whichever one you saw first. (laughs) Yes, so some of us are going to be able to see good right away. Some of us see evil right away. I think that changes how we view, how we have our assumptions of the world changes what we see right away. So now we're going to try a situation, all right? And I just want you to think to yourself. You're meeting someone for the very first time. Think about what are the feelings going through you. What are the questions, the thoughts you have in your head when you meet somebody the first time, okay? And I think they end up, if we, if we just choose two different types of views, it comes out like this. Maybe some of you may be suspicious of others, less trusting of others, but you're less likely to make friends quickly because you're like, they're up to something, They don't have my best interest in mind. Maybe some of you were thinking, oh, I make friends relatively easy. I often take the initiative to meet new people. I tend to trust people. So some of you maybe thought, meeting somebody the first time, it's exciting. Some of you maybe thought, that's the last thing I want to do, is meet somebody new. I have my people. What about we think of punishment for a crime. If we see somebody get sentenced to whatever the punishment is, what are your thoughts or questions in that? Because I think most of the time, there'll be some that put an emphasis on preventing the individual from committing more crimes. This punishment will keep them from doing it again likely to favor jail terms, may doubt that individuals can actually reform or change. We just need to put them away from society so they can't do any more harm. Then there's others that think likely we, we just want to rehabilitate them. We want to make them into a good person, a good citizen, a standing member of our society and that they may trust that individuals can actually change. These are two different ways of looking at the world, right? And it affects how we look at certain situations. And so I think it naturally comes down to, do you believe people are naturally evil versus naturally good? Or if we want to put it in theological terms, original sin versus original blessing. Now, original sin is this idea that Adam and Eve sinned And therefore, now the world is broken, humanity is broken, and that original sin gets passed down throughout generations. And we cannot do good without God. Original blessing is talking about what happened before the fall. Original blessing is talking about how when God created all of this, what did God say first? It was good. That that was the first thing, that it was good. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to get rid of original sin, even though I'd like to s- some tweaks to that doctrine. Uh, but what I'm saying is, before that is original blessing. Before that, it was good. And it can be good again. So what has your heart? What influences your Christian life? What, what is the thing that... Occupies your mind the most. the ways in which you work in the world to achieve something. Maybe you work more, to earn some more money to get that nice car you want. Whatever is driving your heart is going to going to affect how you see the world. Now, if we look at that, if we look within ourselves, sometimes we don't want to do that, because once we see, you can't unsee. Now you have to do something about it. I always complain to my therapist that I wish I could go back to the days where I was naive about why I do what I do, <laughs> and why those feelings come up. I was like, I just want to go back to that blissful ignorance, please. Because once you figure it out, now you have to do something about it. But Jesus knew this. He knew the heart was the problem. You cannot serve two masters. The spiritual sight gives us the frightening capacity for recognizing what we have loved and desired more than God. So most of us will live on autopilot mode, and the thing that has our hearts will determine how we see the world, interact with it, and who we advocate for. Now, how do we challenge this this idea? How do we challenge it? And I was kind of struggling with that because I was like, well, there's all kinds of ways to, to challenge it, to work on your inner self and everything. But then it came in an unlikely spot. Um, the show Ted Lasso.
2: Bye. what don't need to win
0: two triple twenties and a book
2: Good luck. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car. and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them, were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You yeah. know, Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Which I would have answered. Yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> Good game, Ruben. Come
0: on, let's go. Be curious, not judgmental. Because we when we sit in that place of judgment, our hearts are hardened because we think we have it all figured out, that we know the correct thing. So therefore, then we start overlooking people and situations and problems in our world because we think we have it all figured out. Now in our, our scripture, Jesus mentions the birds, the flowers true beauty within our world, and I think this comes from experience of Jesus just being open and curious and with wonder of our world. He was watching birds. He was looking at the flowers of the field. He was taking in the beauty of this creation that God made for us. Now, when Jesus lived with trust in the goodness of God, he led by example. He It wasn't just about speaking about this lesson, it was living it. When Jesus spoke of making God a priority, it's important to realize which God he's talking about, though. It's not the vengeful, angry God, but it's the God who is here and now. The God that is with you, not a God that's far away. He's talking about the creator who has filled the world with wonderful and mysterious things, full of beauty, energy, and excitement, who wants us as humans to discover that same thing in us, because God has created us the same way with beauty, excitement, mystery. When Jesus says not to worry, Jesus isn't saying these things don't matter. Sometimes that can be a flippant reading of this passage, is like if somebody's having anxiety, somebody will read it to them and be like, see? See, Jesus says not to worry. Thank you. <laughs> So Jesus isn't saying that these things aren't important, they don't matter. There is real worry in the world at times, but Jesus is talking about priorities. What's the priority of your heart? What's going to be the thing that directs you in this world? If you put the world first, then you're going to get the things that are eaten by moths and don't last. Put God first and you'll get the beauty of the world and the creation and the cosmos and everything in it thrown into it, that this, now you're here, you're present, you're here now, you're seeing heaven extending into the future, that you don't, it's not something you have to wait for, but something you get to be a part of now. So the invitation is to share in and view the world from the person of Jesus himself, to be curious and not judgmental. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.